Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. Um, my name is Paul McAnallen, thanks for joining me. Um, this podcast is um, it's a real uh, honour for me to, to be able to bring you the conversation I had with um, author, uh, sales coach, uh, consultant, um, Carlo Pignataro, who has written a book called um, Selling with Style. Um, I have to honestly say it's easily in the top five sales, branding and marketing books that I've read ever, not just this year. It's a brilliant book. Um, it's a really, um, it joins the dots really, really easily between sales, marketing, personal branding, value proposition, the whole lot. It's a superb book and that's a real honour to be able to 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 get the chance to talk to him and also to bring the podcast to you. So I hope you enjoy it. The second thing and the, the final thing before I push on into the podcast is this was my first um online Skype podcast that I'd done. So um, it may explain some of the hesitancy because I wasn't really sure what was going on, whether it was going to cut out or whatever the crack was. Um, and it was broadcast um, last week. So it was a St. Patrick's Day production. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so Carlo, thanks for, for joining me today. Um, on St. Patrick's Day, you are in Dubai uh, at the minute, I believe. Yes, I am. So this and is thank a, you, Paul. It's a pleasure and good Patrick Day to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I'm really, really delighted to get talking to you. Um, so just to, to kind of tee up where we are, um, a mutual acquaintance um, through the Innovation Show, um, Aidan McCullen had, um, you had a podcast with Aidan, um, maybe within the last month or so, and he had introduced me um, in the podcast to your book, Sell the Style, which I have to say has been um, a fascinating read and really, really genuinely very intriguing and very in, in, enjoyable. So I really wanted to talk about, about that book to start off with, Carlo. Thank you. Yes, sir. with pleasure. Um, so what, what was the motivation behind writing it for a start? <laughs> well, um, that's a very good question because uh, I've been asking myself uh, uh, the, the, the same very question for the, all the time that it took me to write a book. Many times uh, I've been asking myself, why am I doing this? Because, you know, it's quite a painful process uh, to try to put on paper everything that uh, or as much as you can in terms of what you know and what you try to put in practice uh, throughout your daily activities. Uh, the desire for me was to uh, to, to be able to communicate uh, with as many people as possible my experience in a quite a fascinating industry which happens to be the luxury goods industry I've been working uh, in the luxury goods industry for many years uh, pretty much most of my adult life and um, since I started uh, uh, seven years ago my own training business I do sales and customer service training for the luxury goods industry and not only but since I started my training business I really really realize that uh, the lessons that some of the best brands, luxury brands in the world, uh, be them fashion, jewelry, hospitality, automotive, um, um, whatever, but the lessons that they, that, that they have learned and the lessons that we can learn from them are very, very valuable for individuals and for companies. And so my intention was to, first of all, to help myself uh, in the process of writing, to really uh, summarize uh, all the lessons 
lessons that I've been learning throughout the, the years, uh, but also to get it across to as many people as possible because I feel, I sense, and then I had uh, amazing feedback that somehow confirmed what I had in mind, but I really knew that uh, they would have been able, help, uh, helpful for many more people that I could reach. And so the book was uh, was born. I have to say that Cell uh, uh, with Style, which is my book focusing on cells, uh, is now taking me to a journey that will give life, will give birth uh, to a new book uh, that is in the works uh, titled Serve with Style. Okay. Um... So the, the, with, within within the book, um, I was the, I was attracted to the book uh, through the conversation that you had with Aidan, and when I when I started to read the book, um, it was very evident that um, this was focusing on um, a couple of main cornerstones. I guess value was was very uh, important um, and, a, and a real thread throughout the book, and also um, less technical but more interpersonal, social, cultural, and psychological skills for the salesperson. Can you talk a bit more about that, um, and, and, and specifically in the value, uh, where, how, how important value is? Well, uh, you see, Paul, I think that my, my own personal value proposition is uh, to help uh, companies and individuals uh, create, enhance, better say enhance, uh, their perceived value. As much as I believe that uh, to keep a place in the marketplace, uh, whether you're a company or individual or professional, whatever, you need to create value. But the real challenge is to make sure that people notice it, that people see what you're trying to do, see what you're trying to say. And this is called perceived value. This has a lot to do with people's perception. And we know that perception is personal. Uh, it cannot be generalized. It cannot, and um, and um, and uh, although we cannot take control over other people's uh, uh, perception, but there are ways uh, that we can. Um, there are there are methods and methodologies and principles that we can use to try to influence in a positive way. So I will never talk about manipulation. I will always talk about influence. But there are ways uh, that we can uh, use. There are, there, are, there, are, there are tools that we can use to try to influence positively the perception of uh, uh, people, the way we are perceived by our clients, our stakeholders uh, in the market across the company. Uh, so that's what I'm, I, I always try to do. And that's what I think is uh, extremely important. And, and people understand it because uh, wherever I go, I find people uh, leaving the frustration of working hard, achieving results, uh, and not getting what they want. Uh, some of those don't even get a promotion and somebody else would get it just because they were able to promote themselves in a better way. So for me, the whole title, Sell with Style, the style meant uh, uh, the ability to, 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 to create something that is highly recognizable, that, can, that is noticed, something that other people would recognize and say hey i see what you're trying to do and i appreciate it yeah and the the idea that the selling you 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 mentioned this consistently throughout the book is that the the selling really starts with having um a really really strong personal brand yeah 
I mean, before selling anything, uh, you're selling yourself. Let's be realistic. Uh, there's no such thing as selling until you have built trust. And uh, although you can leverage on the trust of company or the brand you represent or the brand you work for uh, has created amongst these, uh, its uh, clients, but ultimately, if somebody is signing a contract, is making a deal with you, it's because they trust you. Uh, and, and that's why I think that it's so important to be able to uh, take control over the way you are perceived. So the way you are perceived, it's equal your personal branding, your personal brand. Yeah, and you you talk about a sort of a seven-stage process. You talk about, um, it's, it's all about awareness though, isn't it? It's about knowing, um, you know, how, well, having an idea of how you want to be perceived, um, having an idea of um, who your customers are, um, your stakeholders, and what they are looking for in an ideal or in a in a, in a very strong sales relationship. Um, do you your background uh, in luxury is this something you think is is transferable to other business sectors that are perhaps less um, luxurious? This is something that I strongly recommend to other businesses. I strongly recommend it because, look, I think any business would benefit from the strong association that some luxury brands have with their clients, with their consumers. People don't buy Gucci because they simply like it. People buy Gucci because they share their values, because they share their visions. As much as Apple, for example, nobody buys a Mac or an iPhone for the sake of buying a computer or a, or a mobile phone. They buy it because they kind of share the same values. Uh, so it's, I think it's a very cross-cultural, cross-sectorial uh, principle. Um, but, but the luxury good industry has been very good with it uh, because, that, because that's what uh, made their business. Uh, that's what their, their business was founded on beside uh, the craftsmanship and the beautiful products uh, that uh, many companies have been able to develop uh, throughout the centuries. But it's highly recommended. Look, uh, it's all about uh, having people on board uh, on uh, your vision. Yeah. Um, is, is the burden then on the um, or the responsibility for the brand to invest heavily in people and then those people to in turn invest more heavily in themselves? <clears throat> this is a very good question and um, there are different ways to approach this. Uh, my experience tells me that uh, uh, first of all, a brand need, or a company, a company trying to build a brand, need to invest in its uh, integrity because ultimately it's not just about investing in people's salaries or benefits, but people want to join companies that they believe in. People want to join companies that they feel as cool, and in order to do that, you can't be cheap uh, in everything you do, uh, starting with your integrity. So it all boils down to how loyal you are with the reasons why you started a business, with the reasons why you started a production, with the reasons why you started a service or, or, or any product. And this integrity then uh, creates a series of occasions for people to wanting to be on board. Um, look, at, look at companies like, um, I don't know, Cartier or Ferrari or Gucci that I mentioned before. Uh, people don't even ask what the salary is going to be before they join them. They want to be there. They want to be associated with these brands. But you also have noticed that these, these companies have always been loyal to, to, 
to the essence of the brand. Uh, Cartier never became something different. Uh, Cartier, uh, although stretching their product line, uh, what is called brand extensions, uh, brand extension, never uh, betrayed uh, the the DNA of being the jeweler of the royals. Um, and so before joining a company like Cartier, people don't even wonder what their benefits are going to be because they know that the association itself uh, is going to be something they will benefit from. And do you see those kind of characteristics and traits in another more contemporary um, businesses and organizations? Do you see, for example, the same ethic uh, in the likes of Facebook and and Google, like from a distance, would you see that? Would you say there are other organizations who have strategically positioned themselves where integrity and um, the, the, integrity is obviously the cornerstone of trust. So most of those things, um, most businesses aspire to that. But Cartier, they, they have those luxury brands of such rich pedigree that remain consistent. Yes, absolutely. For example, I follow with pleasure the uh, articles that the CEO of Hot, uh, Hootsuite uh, writes on LinkedIn. Hootsuite ha happens to be a software that helps people manage their social media accounts altogether. Um, it's a nice company. They are uh, a little bit over 1,000 employees, so it's not a huge corporation, but it, it's, a, it's a big company to, um, to start with. Uh, they're, they're, they, they work um, on new technologies, it's social media management, and the CEO is pretty uh, inspiring in the way he approaches business. He approaches his business, and uh, from his words, uh, uh, you can feel that this is a company that people enjoy working in, and uh, people feel as a cool place to to work in. So yes, absolutely. As I said, luxury uh, is translating now into many more things. A, a, jewel, a jewel is not necessarily what people think of when they initially think of luxury. It might be um, a, a, a new place to spend time with your family in, or it just can be a, a nice book. Luxury is everything, as long as uh, you, individual, you, client perceive it as such. And that's the nice secret. And that's why I think Selwit Style, the book, is becoming so uh, kind of uh, a good companion to the readers, because I think that ultimately this is the meaning that I'm trying to deliver. Yeah, yeah, that comes across. Um, uh, it comes across uh, uh, throughout the book. Um, the you talk about the importance of customizing the the client experience as well, um, and you're very, very um, process driven almost in in talking about how we should deal with clients. But the process is it makes such a lot of sense. You know, preparing for the meeting, focusing on details, focusing on what you're going to say during. Uh, the, the, the meeting with the client and then also talking about uh, introducing some NLP uh, techniques like the active listening and body language. Can you talk a bit more about the NLP side of things, Carlo? Uh, yes, absolutely. NLP is uh, something that I uh, came across uh, uh, many years ago. Uh, I did my fair share of investigation. I attended courses. I met Richard Bandler, the creator himself, in, uh, in the UK many years ago, and um, it gave me quite a few hints uh, of uh, how Positively, we can influence somebody's perception while having a personal interpersonal relationship. Um, I would like to say that uh, 
my approach uh, is based on a combination of a, on a mix of uh, all the elements that I've learned uh, in the NLP, but also the psychology of luxury, the psychology of sales uh, in the luxury industry. Uh, it all boils down uh, to the ability to create a memorable experience uh, for a client. Uh, now, I realize that uh, to create a memorable experience uh, for a client, uh, first and foremost, uh, you have to create a memorable experience for yourself. And that's why focusing on detail, in my opinion, is one of the strategic elements of my book. Focusing on details means, uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, identifying uh, what uh, differentiates you. So once you understand who you are, what you stand for, what makes you different, it's all about consistency. It's all about putting in place all the elements uh, that uh, differentiate you every time, at every meeting, consistently for many years, uh, until you have created such a strong, um, such a strong uh, uh, representation of yourself that um, you can you can feel it yourself. You can breathe it. You are the first buyer of your uh, uh, of the experience that you are providing your clients with. Uh, so the minute they meet you, they can feel it. They feel the confidence. Uh, they understand that something is going on although they might not be able to notice it and that's where you and that's where you feel that's where you feel that you are in control and it's a beautiful feeling uh, because it makes you it, it makes you feel um, more powerful and uh, we know that selling is a power game so to start with NLP taught me something extremely valuable something that I have brought with me uh, in all my courses and something that I'm practicing every day of my life which is uh, uh, the mirroring technique the mirroring technique is uh, basically uh, the, the ability to getting rapport with your clients or with anybody you meet by doing little uh, gestures of generosity, in my opinion, such as, uh, um, such as mirroring, as we said, uh, the body language or the tone of voice or the words of your client until you feel that uh, this person feels at ease with you. So this is something that everybody taught me. Uh, that is very, very useful and that can really help creating a personalized experience. Because as we know, when people feel it is, they open up uh, uh, more easily. And by opening up, uh, they, they, they find themselves uh, in the experience. And when they find themselves in the experience, they associate through it. And, by, and through associating to the experience, uh, it becomes memorable. And by becoming memorable, this uh, uh, can create business opportunities. So that's what I learned from NLP. But what really the luxury uh, industry taught me is uh, the ability to listen to clients. Um, although people have a different uh, perception of what luxury is, people in general, in general think that luxury is the bling-bling thing, is being very bold, very precious, so to speak. Uh, in fact, uh, it's uh, absolutely the opposite. Luxury is about making people feel special. And the first step one should take to try to make a client feel special is to listen to them, is to have these people talk, talk about themselves, reveal their dreams, reveal their aspirations until they feel they're being understood. And there's no better feeling, there's no better feeling than uh, being understood. With the, with the um, listening, and, and in the book you talk about listening um, to, to understand rather than listening to reply, but with that, uh, uh, 
it's almost logical that you have to create or craft um, a really, really uh, strong questioning technique. You have to be able to ask really relevant and pertinent questions. And, and ultimately, that means that you have to become interested in the person that you are talking to. And because uh, you can't fake those questions, those questions have to be really sincere, right? Yes. And, um, and I think that ultimately, ultimately, the real goal is not just to, uh, to listen, trying to understand, but it is to listen giving the impression that you care. Now, let's be realistic. If you meet 100 clients a day, you cannot uh, physically and mentally be, be the interested uh, um, to everybody's story. This is, this is impossible. But you can, you can work and you can train yourself to engage physically before them verbally, but you can engage with everybody. And this engagement, this physical engagement that starts... Uh, starts with eye contact. Eye contact is very important uh, and, uh, and, 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 and very disregarded uh, in, uh, in, in every business. But this physical engagement gives people the impression that they are being listened to, they are being understood. And this is a very, uh, and this is a very beautiful uh, process, a beautiful process starts here. Because by engaging physically and giving the impression that you care, People open up. Opening up, they become more interesting uh, per se because they they immediately care more about you. So it's the questioning is very important, but the physical engagement is even more important. The physical engagement is the uh, little fire that is being started that then creates the big fire uh, that becomes a business. So you engage physically. You show them that you care. They open up. Uh, instinctively, they will care more about you. The conversation goes smoothly. And then uh, you leave it uh, to your uh, instinct uh, because you have built a rapport at, the, at that moment in time. Uh, they are speaking. Let them speak. They are opening up. Let them open up. Uh, they feel understood. Uh, show them that you understand them. It's very simple. Uh, is, 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 is again is an act of generosity uh, and it's very heavy because at the end of the day uh, taking the weight of listening to so many people and uh, engaging physically with so, with so many people is tiring but pays back yeah and you know just before we were talking um, before we came on air we had discussed um, the notion of value and uh, genuinely for me reading the book it was a real epiphany where I'd noticed that um, we place value at that intersection between customer sales and marketing like for me all the time um, sales has been about influence and persuasion and marketing is about storytelling and you know this is quite going to sound quite flattering but even the way you articulate um, uh, anything that we've discussed you have a very very uh, you have a great you tell a great story okay um, you use really really uh, vivid language to describe even the basic most basic elements of selling and in the book you focus very heavily on storytelling how important is that I think it's vital. Uh, I think it's it's a story. Uh, selling is a story per se. Luxury is a story per se. Every look, stories are something people can relate to. This is it. Uh, features 
are important. But without a story, those features become nothing. The, without, without a story to tell, uh, the, whatever you sell becomes uh, neutral, becomes uh, um, out of uh, the, um, gets out of the emotional circle where people take decisions. And uh, funnily enough, uh, I found out in my experience that uh, the most beautiful stories don't necessarily come from you, the seller, but they come from your clients. So the storytelling is a two-way process. It's a two-way two street. It's not a one-way street. The storytelling process is something that you start by perhaps telling a little story about a product, uh, focusing on the benefits, but you leave plenty of time for your clients to share their stories with you. By sharing their stories with you, they feel the power of storytelling and uh, they want to be loyal to their stories. So if the relationship is positive and a client is trying to influence you with a story that somehow is enhancing the product you're selling, they're doing your job. They're basically, basically selling themselves the product you are trying to sell them. The storytelling is, is the key. And so many uh, salespeople are not trained to work on it. Because they get a lot of technical training from the companies, uh, they get to know all the features uh, and they kind of confuse features and benefits. So when a client tries to ask them, yeah, but what's good for me, they will keep repeating the features. But when they start, when I do my workshops and I focus on storytelling, I have to tell you, Paul, that the first 10, 15 minutes, I see people panicking because although they've been working in sales all their life, they look like they don't have a story to tell. But then when they understand what we're talking about and their brain starts connecting to their uh, heart, um, I hear a lot of beautiful stories. And every time I try this with my clients, every time I engage them and I ask them, tell me a story about it, that's where the sale comes uh, easily. It really it, it also enhances the uh, the relationship. There's a greater intimacy with the relationship when you start telling stories that ultimately mean something to you. Yeah, I like the word intimacy. Absolutely, that's a goal per se. You want to get intimate with a client in a good way. Uh, I'm not trying to say mix friendship with business because this is not what we're talking about. But what I'm trying to say is get emotionally involved, uh, get emotionally connected with your yeah. clients. Yeah, you have, a, you have a lovely quote in the book which I had circled. Um, if language fuels desire, empathy is the calling card that identifies us as the right person to satisfy it. I think that's a really strong sentence about the, um, what, what good relationships are all about and the importance of emotional intelligence. Yes, uh, and ultimately, I also think may, it makes our job a little bit more worthwhile. Um, I, I, I travel the world, and uh, especially in less mature market where sales is seen as an entry-level job, I always try to communicate to people, hey, this is something important. You are doing something here. Uh, selling is not just a transaction. Selling is service to start with. Do it right. Make your life better and improve the life of the people you're talking to. It's an important job. So that's what I'm trying to say every time. So, so, so some of the other um, books and some of the other narrative that, that surrounds this space is very technical. Um, a lot of people um, talk about, they're looking at whether, whether technical is um, systems or processes or whether it's social media. Um, ultimately, you cannot um, beat the, you know, you can't replace the person-to-person -person contact, but within the book you talk about um, something that you describe as the operating system for the mind, meta-programs. 
They're very interesting, aren't they? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, can you talk about, um, there was one that you mentioned with Aidan, um, so there's a, um, maybe an, another one, um, but is it the two children? Uh, which one are you talking about, moving away or moving towards something? Yeah, well, that, that's for, yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. Meta programs are very well explained, uh, explained by NLP, by people uh, like uh, Tony Robbins. Uh, they are very articulated. There are many, many meta programs. I have identified five or six that, in my opinion, are very powerful. Uh, it's very powerful knowing them um, selling, uh, while selling. Uh, the moving towards or moving away from something, I think, is very interesting and uh, very subtle in the way you can approach a client. Uh, let me try to simplify it as much as possible for our listeners. Basically, uh, you can have uh, two clients uh, buying the same uh, item or service uh, for uh, different reasons. Uh, there are people who are looking for something new in their life, uh, people who want to add something to their life. So when they meet you, when they get in touch with you, uh, they are in a search mode. They are looking for something. So they are open to suggestions. Uh, they are interested to know more about the product or the service. They are basically looking for something new to be introduced into their lives. So with these people, a traditional sales approach, such as uh, explaining how beautiful, how productive, how incredible, how fantastic your product or service is, kind of works. Uh, some other people are feeling pain. They are not happy with a certain um, area of their life uh, and they need a change and they need to um, and they need to uh, move away um, from this pain so these are the people you need to reassure these are the people you need to make uh, you need to influence uh, and make them understand that uh, by buying from you, by doing business with you, they will move away from the pain they're feeling at the moment. And I presented the example of two children. Uh, children number one, speaking about education, for example, children number one uh, is wondering whether the, the new school is going to bring him or her new friends, uh, new opportunities, uh, new lifestyle, uh, new games, uh, new things to do. So with this, with this child, uh, you will be talking about the school as a beautiful new place to go where he or she will meet uh, beautiful new friends and so forth. Um, the other children, the other child, um, the other child is, uh, is, 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 is not happy, doesn't like going to school and, uh, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and he wants to change the, the, the place where he's going now. So you will tell him, listen, you will not see this teacher anymore. Uh, you will not see these people that are bothering you anymore. The new school is where you will not have to experience the same thing you were experiencing before. And that's very useful for recruiters as well. When you're hiring somebody. You really need to understand if these people is uh, uh, approaching your company because they are fascinated somehow by what you do or because they just want to move away from their old company where perhaps uh, uh, their previous boss is harassing them. Um, and with clients it's exactly the same. Uh, absolutely, yeah. There's um, a client that I've worked with for a number of years in Ireland um, and we talk constantly about um, some tips and uh, techniques and, and you know uh, strategies that salespeople can use to further develop the relationship that, the, that they have with their customers. And he always talks about two things, slowing down and opening up 
Um, and uh, what he means by that is whenever customers come in, they typically think they know what they want. And if you let them go at their speed, they'll end up getting perhaps what they think they need or what they want, but they won't be fully um, satisfied. But if you manage to slow them down and further uh, do some diagnostic work and trying to find out what their motivations are, whether, as you say, they're moving away from something or whether they're moving towards something. And that takes a real, um, that takes experience. It takes a lot of uh, practice and um, it takes a lot of training too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Look, I can see it in my business. Uh, Sometimes, uh, uh, well, most of the times I meet either entrepreneurs or, or, or uh, division heads, but uh, many times I do meet HR directors as well when it comes to organizing training for their teams. And, uh, um, and, and for example, some of those are really interested in getting uh, more details about the sales process or the customer service process that they are not uh, involved in. So they really want to know. They are going towards something. They are fascinated by it. They want to hear the process from me. They want to hear the story. They want to know more about it. Some other HR directors, they know that training is good, is going to be beneficial, but they're not, you know, they're not really interested. All they want to know is that I can take care of it. I've done it before. I've worked with good companies. Uh, so with them, the strategy is, don't worry, I'll take care of it. You get the report, and we'll, ma we'll make sure that the, the job gets done. Um, it, it's, it's a different mentality, a different approach. Not necessarily one is better than the other. But until you understand what really works, uh, uh, you really end up trying and trying and trying without really um, focusing on the value that they need to see. Yeah. Do, do you see a lot of HR directors and different industries um, have, do they all have a, the same approach to training or does that, um, are, are some better or worse than others? It's hard to say. Um, I know very dedicated HR directors, they really care about developing the people and, the, and, and, they're, and they're just beautiful people and they, and they, and they truly believe that uh, training is uh, a way to give. Uh, to their people. Some other HR directors are more focused on the um, bureaucratic side of the business, and I know they're overwhelmed by paperwork, so I, I also understand it. But I, I, I basically see two different approaches. I see the HR directors that really want to know what happens across divisions, and they kind of uh, try to understand their mechanics of sales and customer service. That's where I operate. And some, are, some other HR directors just need to know that uh, things are going to be taken care of. And obviously, I need to serve both. I also think that the role of the HR division is changing a lot these days and it's going to change a lot uh, in the next five, five, ten years. So it's a big challenge for them. Yeah, it is. I think it, it's, um, it's becoming less an issue of expense and more an issue of investment. Indeed, I agree with you. Um, just another part of the, the, the book, um, Carlo, that I find really um, genuinely fascinating was your focus on types of language um, that people use. One of the things that I, I saw that really connected with me was the difference between a salesperson when they're asked um, or for opening hours or hours of trading and one person will say, we close that, and the other one will say, we open until. One's obviously fairly... Uh, uh, well, negative, and the other one's extremely positive. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how that impacts the sales process? With pleasure. Well, first of all, I think that the language you speak impacts your, your own life to start with, uh, even before it impacts your sales process. Because what I learned 
with NLP, with experience, uh, with many years uh, in uh, the luxury goods industry, is that uh, a more, uh, a finer way to talk to others and to talk to yourself, uh, make your life and your relationships better. Um, just saying with pleasure rather than yes makes the whole conversation uh, nicer, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and I think this is just a beautiful process. You making sure to use words uh, that uh, translate your passion, um, translate uh, your commitment, uh, say with pleasure rather than yes, talk about craftsmanship rather than production, say uh, we, we will open tomorrow at 8 rather than we are closed, just, just makes the conversation more uh, human, more intense, more musical, more, uh, more, more, more artistic, if you will. It brings, let, let me put it this way, it brings beauty in the conversation. And beauty spreads all around, uh, has a positive effect. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, I looked through the, the list of um, comparable phrases and I find it very, very easy to see these, um, this language being used in, in Italy or France, um, possibly Spain. And then I was trying to wondering how some Irish people would would find um, find it so easy to change the way they speak. But actually, um, Irish people are quite lyrical in, in the way they speak as well. But ultimately, it's about standing out for the right reasons. And if you're able to articulate something in a different way that, as you said, sounds more um, attractive, more appealing and resonates, then it's it should be used. You should really investigate that. I think... I think it's for everybody. I think it's, it's for everybody. And believe me, Italians need it as much as uh, anybody else. I, I, I taught myself to do it. And I tried to bring this language at home. And I found out that by forcing myself to change words, uh, uh, to change a yes with a, with, one, with a pleasure, for example, makes my life easier, makes my relationships uh, deeper and stronger. Uh, I'm a big fan of one of your musical treasures, one of Ireland's musical treasures, uh, uh, which happens to be U2. Okay. And uh, listening to their music, I find a lot of beauty. In reading the words, there's a lot of beauty. Beauty to me is the answer. Now, in my next book, Serve with Style, so the sequel of Serve with Style, I'm really focusing on trying to bring beauty. I do believe and think that top management should meet and discuss how to introduce beauty into a business. And this could be really a strategic point. What a company will come up with is very individual, is very singular, is very unique. But every top management should start asking themselves that question because it really it can really make a change. And and and, and, and language makes no exception. Yeah, but going back to some of the NL the NLP um, narrative in your book and stuff that I would be familiar with, so the audiovisual, kinetic, and digital approach. Um, you know, you even talk about U two and talk about not only their music but their words. So many people are impacted in different ways, and and I think it's important to be cognizant um, that it's not just about 
telling a story, that vision is very impactful, that letting people feel and immerse themselves in what you're trying to sell is also part of it. And, and sort of bringing the, 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 the two books, I guess, the one that you have written and the one that you're about to write together, like all of that is really important and, and a lot of it is overlooked um, very often by salespeople who find themselves under pressure to fill in forms, to be uh, bureaucratic, to hit deadlines, to to um, become automated, and there's a, a, some of that um, nice tactile um, skills. Can, those skills can be lost uh, in sales at the minute. Yes, uh, it's very surprising um, finding sales professionals, customer service professionals not being aware of uh, the importance of creating a visual, auditory and kinesthetic experience for their clients. They miss the basic knowledge that some people are more visual, some people are more auditory and some other people are more kinesthetic, which means that... Uh, some people make sense of the world around them uh, with their eyes more than they do with the other senses, as much as some people make sense of the world with their, with their, with their ears, uh, with the way they talk to, to themselves and uh, what they listen to more than the other senses. And some other people make sense of the world around, us, around them through the emotions and the other senses, such as touch and feel. Uh, and, and a lot of sales and customer service associates around the world just miss this message this basic knowledge. When you understand that the person you're talking to is very, very visual, there's no point to keep talking and talking. You have to show this person something to see, something to read, something that they can engage their sight with. Uh, unless, you, unless you do this or until you do this, there's no way this person can feel they are getting the information they need, can feel, because they are getting it, but they are not able to absorb it, they are not able to digest it. Yeah. Uh, and, and they miss this knowledge, because as you said, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of reports, a lot of paperwork, a lot of bureaucracy that needs to be done, and they, and they kind of forget what the sales job is about. A sales job is not about uh, uh, closing deals. A sales job is about ensuring that a client finds the right product or the right service um, uh, with you, is to make sure that everything goes smoothly until a client is ready to buy. That's the essence. Uh, but unfortunately, it seems that it has been, the, the, this meaning has been lost with time, and we really need to revamp it. Yeah, I think that I've always had the perspective that selling isn't about closing a deal, it's about opening up a relationship, and um, the more people think about Lose it, you know, if you think about it in that context, it's 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 a lot easier to slow things down and to be more in tune with the emotions and the sensitivities of the person you're talking to or you're you're trying to um, you're trying to engage with. Um, Carlo, listen, thank thank you so much for um, this. Is my first a Skype um, podcast, so I, I'm. It's been a little bit strange but really, really engaging, and it's been, um, I'm not used to it, but it's been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, if, if people that are listening wanted to get in touch with you, where, where are you available, and how can they get the book? <clears throat> they can either find it on Amazon, the ebook is available uh, pretty much worldwide on Amazon, or they can visit my website, uh, my website, uh, www.carlopignataro.com, or 
www.sellingskillsempowerment.com and they get in t- they can get in touch with us for a, a, a printed copy of the book or uh, any uh, conversation they'd like to have with us. Okay, um, Carlo, listen, um, I just wanted to, to wrap up by thanking you very much for taking time out to to, Thank you, Paul. Uh, to, to have the, the, the call. Um, the book is really, really good, and I'm not just saying that. It, it is, um, it's quite a, um, an eye-opening perspective, and it helps join the dots along the way for selling. And, and I would very much um, look forward to the, the, the follow-up service with Style um, at some point in the future. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the uh, enjoyable conversation. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, Carlo, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get chatting again when the next book comes out, but thanks very much for your time. <clears throat> Thank you, Paul. Have a good day.